We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Uh, All-Star break uh, going on right now. We had the Home Run Derby last night, the All-Star game tonight. Uh, but if, uh, you know, you're jonesing for some uh, DFS kind of action and you, you don't want to play the All-Star game, uh, we got some fun stuff for you today. Uh, here talking some best ball and the Million Dollar Championship uh, on draft. Uh, I'm Britt Devine uh, here with Josh ADHD of Fantasy Insiders, of of Wizard of Tools, of Creator of Everything That's Awesome. Uh, Josh, how's it going today? Doing pretty good, Britt. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing great. Any chance, you know, I've done like, I don't know, I think I was up to 120 of these best balls on draft. Uh, any chance, and, and all the other hosts, right? All the other hosts are like, best ball, what's this, what's that? You know, it's fun to actually be on a show with people that care about. Yeah, I, I certainly care about it. Some would say probably a little bit too much, like my wife, but you know what? It's my passion. I have a lot of fun doing it. So, you know, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, uh, here with uh, Chris Prince, Beer Makers fan. Uh, Chris, the kids put away. We all good to go here for the show? Good to go. I'm Mr. Mom here. So trying to keep a lid on everything, talk some best ball, but glad to be here. And just want to say, Josh, thank you for all the tools. The Scott Fishbowl, all that stuff, making things look good, and all the analysis, the ADP definitely helped out. But excited to be here done a ton of drafts so let's go win a hundred thousand yeah let's talk about so this is kind of this is like the coming out party for fantasy insiders too guys both you guys a little bit involved with it here josh uh i, I guess i'll start with you tell everybody you know roto grinders acquired fantasy insiders i think it was like last year and uh, it's kind of becoming the season long slash best ball slash all that kind of hub of roto grinders here so you're involved with it pretty heavily uh there's a lot of fun articles over there i was reading through them today you got all your scott fishbowl stuff on there to kind of track some exposures. Uh, I guess I'll give you the floor here for like 30 seconds, a minute. Tell everybody what's going on over there. 
Yeah, so big things planned. Um, I may have seen recently we hired Ben Gretsch as our editor-in-chief. That's a big hire for us. You know, he has a lot of credibility in the fantasy community, and he's a really super sharp guy, good good editor, good idea guy. So we're super happy to have him. Uh, so far as plans, we're working on our draft guide right now. Uh, we are working on our suite of apps, and a lot of those, the, the back end of those apps came from my personal site from fantasyadhd.com that I ran last year. So uh, hopefully you guys, if you haven't seen it yet, you've seen the Scott Fishbowl app that we've been running the last, uh, I think, week, week and a half almost uh, to, to run alongside Scott Fishbowl 8. Uh, I've got an Air Yards app in the works that will be very similar to Air Yards app that I ran last year. Uh, we're going to be recooking the fantasy matchups app that I ran last year that's adjusted fantasy matchups for week to week uh, matchups. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty simple. And we're going to make it even simpler for people to use going forward. And we've got some other things in the works. Uh, a lot of apps on the back burner. Uh, we've got a lot of content that will be coming soon, the draft guide. So we're really excited about what we've got going on over at Insiders. Yeah, that Fantasy ADH, I, I may have been to that site a couple of times uh, on the other side, doing a couple of things there. Uh, Beer Maker, you're, you're doing a little bit of stuff over there too. What, what you got going on with the Insiders? Right, a couple articles out, five guys that I'm buying above ADP, five guys I'm fading at current ADP. My rankings will be over there. Usually it was just thrown out on Twitter. So it's nice to have a platform. I've done a ton of season long over the 10, 20 years. So excited to be a part of the team over at Insiders along with Everything's still going on at Roto-Grinder. So it should be a fun football season, but best ball, baby. Let's get into it. Yeah, I think, too, I think we've needed, like, the season long, right? When when DFS came, right, we all came from season long. We're like, DFS is awesome. But now the season long and the dynasty and the best balls, these are all taking off now. So I'm glad we got all that. Uh, Josh is a wizard with all the data behind the scenes here, all those apps. Uh, once they all come out, I'm going to be absolutely amazing. I can uh, attest to the quality of Josh's work for sure. Uh, so uh, I guess, guys, we, let's talk about the million-dollar uh, draft uh, best ball tournament here. Because, Josh, this thing is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Right? I expected them to do something, I don't know, maybe like a half a million, 250000 something. Hey, draft the best best ball team, and we'll give you $100,000 or something like that through all the things. So they, they came out with a million-dollar tournament that's just uh, – it's, it's very unique here. So let's break this down for everybody. you got to win – your first 12 weeks in it, right? So you got to win your first 12 weeks. And then if you happen to win the first 12 weeks, uh, then you get for the next weeks, 13, 14, and 15, you're randomly matched up in uh, groups of 12. And if you finish in the top three in those, you keep kind of advancing and moving up the pay scale, ultimately concluding in a week 16 uh, best of 60 person tournament where first place wins $100,000. Josh, how in the heck are we going to win this thing? Well, that's a good question. I, I think number one, we're going to have to get lucky, right? I mean, it's yeah. that's kind of the basis of any best ball league. Even a twelve man, you got to get lucky to win, avoid some injuries, uh, have the right offensive situations in mind. We're going to talk about a lot of that stuff today. So, uh, you know, we won't just tell you to get lucky. We're going to try to help you get lucky. Yeah, we got. I mean, I mean, who doesn't want help from three people in the internet helping to get lucky, right? Right, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for here to help but i agree with josh it's going to take a lot of drafting well luck a whole bunch of stuff like you said that we're going to talk about here that's why we're here but what a tournament man i'm excited for that i'm already drafting for this thing i gotta slow down i'm like i'm gonna hit my 150 by the end of july so draft best customer right there it could be so i'm excited uh, how so, many are you up to right now chris uh i lost count i'd have to look it up but 
we're, we're going to work our way to 150. I'm trying to space it out, you know, do some drafts now, do a little bit during training well, camp. We're going to talk about something in camp. a minute. We're going to talk about something a little bit on when you should actually draft. There we go. And you should, you should literally, as soon as you get off the show, start drafting, Chris, because you need the sooner you draft, the higher your chance of actually having a higher score is. It's a little I'll be good to go. <laughs> so we'll talk about that on here. Um, but yeah, it's 25 bucks uh, on draft. If you've, if you've never played on draft, uh, you can go sign up on draft.com. Uh, you can download it from your Android or uh, Apple store. Uh, I forget. I think we had a special promo code, but I forgot it off the top of my head. So I'm just going to tell you, use the RG live. Uh, it'll get you three free bucks of premium or three free bucks to use on draft. And the kicker is you get three months of premium, which will be stuff like the draft uh, premium stuff here on Roto-Grinders. Uh, you'll get ADP stuff. You'll get uh, articles. Uh, we'll talk about one of Josh's articles that he just wrote. It's free today and tomorrow, but it goes back behind the paywall after that. Uh, there's a lot of good content, uh, and it's 25 bucks. It's a fast draft, too. So if you've been used to playing these draft best balls or any best balls on the eight-hour clock, be prepared when you enter your $25. Be ready to sit there for the hour because you're going to have to sit there and draft your team. It's quick. People make a lot of mistakes. I think there's a big edge on it. Uh, you just got to kind of get lucky towards the end of so what we're going to do to kick this off, um, let's talk some strategies, guys, right? There's a whole lot of different ways. Do you want to just play it like a normal best ball? Do you want to do something weird? Uh, Josh, kick it off to me. What do you, Other than be- draft the best players, which we're going to show you who the best players were last year and, you know, maybe talk about some guys that will be able to be the best players. And we're going to look at the worst teams too, like what got you some of the worst teams that you definitely don't want to do. Other than that, uh, what are some strategies we can employ? Yeah, so, you know, I think for those that haven't played best ball a lot, I think the first thing you really need to do is is embrace best practices that go with drafting a best ball team. And so when we talk about best practices, we talk about an 18-man squad and how you need to divide your position allocation up. How many players do you draft at quarterback, running back, receiver, et cetera? So we've got four positions, you know, obviously quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. How do we split that up? Uh, general best practice in my experience and in my research shows that you'll draft two to three quarterbacks. You'll draft two to three tight ends. And then the other, let's say 12 to 14 positions on your roster, you're going to split between running back and wide receiver. And you could do that a number of different ways. The base thing you want to keep in mind is you don't want to get overloaded at any one position, because if you do that, you take yourself out of the running, you kind of cap your upside. And especially in a league like this, it's winner take all at the end of 40,000 some odd teams you definitely don't want to cap your upside and you have to do everything you can to make sure that you're kind of within general principles before you even start to go onto the GPP side of things, that way of thinking. Yeah. I like uh, my usual build. So I'll take two quarterbacks. I I like this thing. I like two quarterbacks. I think the running backs, the receivers that boom, that's what's going to give me the points to move up there. So I like five to six running backs, eight to nine running backs, two to three tight ends, especially if I'm drafting tight ends late, I'll mix it up. I'll probably try to get three in there. Um, Beer, what's your general strategy? You've played a lot of these. Uh, what's your normal build look like? Looks similar to what Josh said. You know, it, it really depends. So quarterback, you know, if I, if I get a couple studs that I feel good about, I'll probably stick with those two guys. Now, if I'm deep and I got Eli Manning and Blake Bortles, then maybe I'll add a third guy to the mix. But generally, I'll go with two quarterbacks. Kind of the same thought at tight end. You know, give me top two top tight ends or two guys even in the mid-range, then I feel good about those two guys. If injuries happen – so be it. You're going to, you're going to face injuries. Everybody's going to have to deal with injuries. So if I can nail down two, that's more running backs and receivers that I can draft and load onto my team. So 
just depends. If I get stud quarterbacks and tight ends, I'm taking two of them. Otherwise, I'm going with three of them. But one of the main things that I kind of separate from your season-long mind frame is those guys that maybe aren't consistent, but that those huge upside weeks, the Will Fullers of the world, the mm-hmm. Deshaun Jacksons of the world. And we'll get into a bunch of these guys during the show. But those guys in season-long are kind of like, eh, I don't want to trust them every week. Best ball, that's the beauty of it. You don't have to worry about when are these big weeks going to happen. Boom, when they happen, the guy's going to appear in your lineup and you're going to be loving it. So getting rid of that mindset of I don't want these guys, these are guys that I want in best ball to capture those ceilings. Um, Josh, I want to talk about your article that's on uh, Roto-Grinders right now. It's premium and draft. Uh, we've opened it up free for everybody uh, for a couple of days. Devin, if you're out there, go, go find it on Roto-Grinders and post it in the chat for some people that are working out there. Uh, that are that are watching it but uh let's I want to talk about like team stacking and multiple team stacking and running back stacking and quarterback stacking you had a great article on it uh so let's spend a couple of minutes talking about uh some of your thought process behind putting that together yeah so when draft announced this million dollar contest you know twitter immediately filled up with folks talking about well how do you attack this thing and really quickly you see people start to say well you know, should I stack offenses? Should I stack players? You know, is this the best way to do it to try to amplify my my uh, my point output by having guys on the same team that are scoring together? So I thought, okay, well, this needs some research. We need to look into this and see if it's actually feasible. So what I did was I took all of the 12-man drafts from draft last year, 2017, and that was about 3,000 drafts, just a shade over 3,000 drafts. And what I did was I parsed every single draft, every single pick, and then infused the final standings for the season to see what kind of roster construction worked out best from a stacking perspective only. So, you know, just let's throw roster construction out the window. Let's make an assumption that people are building, you know, somewhat reasonable rosters and just look at the, just isolate whether putting an offense together, quarterback, receiver, tight end, or running back, running back, or what, you know, any permutation that does that help you win? Um, so the base case I look at is if I have 12 teams in a draft and I put those 12 teams in a hat and I draw a name randomly to win the league, what is that percentage? Well, that's a 12th, it's eight and a third percent. So what I want to do is look at that. That's my break even point. If I cannot win more than eight and a third percent with any strategy, then that strategy to me is minus EV. So that's kind of my baseline. So what I did was first I looked at you know, stacking versus not stacking. So I took all the teams that did not stack any offense. So 18 unique offenses and on their roster. And did they win anymore? No, actually they did not win anymore last year. They had a kind of a rough season. They didn't do so well. And then I looked at um, running back stacks. You know, can you stack two running backs from the same offense? And you could say it's like a starter and a handcuff. You could say it's a tandem. Uh, Can you put those running backs together? And does that give you a better chance to win? Just looking at 2017 data, it does not. So unless you drafted Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara and happened to get Alvin Kamara in the 11th round when he totally blew up his ADP, then you did not have a better chance to win. So kind of the takeaway there is that unless you think there is a historically significant rushing offense in 2018 where you can get one of the running backs at a significant discount to the rest of his peer group, then you're probably not going to be able to hit that one. So let's throw that one out. That's probably not a viable strategy. Uh, the other thing I looked at was the passing offenses. So if I take a quarterback and pair him with a running back or a wide receiver or a tight end from that offense or any kind of combination of that up to three players, does that help you out? In And actually that does help you out in just a shade. So, you know, teams that stacked an offense like that with a quarterback and a receiver uh, from one of the other three positions actually 
got up to closer to 9% of a win rate. So that's a good thing. Any kind of edge we can get on drawing names out of a hat, we kind of think that's a good thing. So we find that's good. So then I also looked at, well, what if I put two offenses together in that fashion? And that actually gave you just a slightly higher bump. So it was closer to like 9.1% or 9.2%. So, you know, we're getting a little bit better here from stacking perspective as to, you know, does that help us win or not? So it's it's really an interesting study. The only thing I would say that is that we're operating off one year of data. Mm-hmm. So as we know, if we try to take one data point and extrapolate it, we're going to have a bad time. So we're just going to kind of keep that in mind that, okay, well, this stuff worked last year. It may work this year. It may not. But, you know, we kind of have an idea what may give us a better chance going forward. Yeah, good uh, draft, too. They're nice enough to give us kind of like the feed of all the data to help us mm-hmm. be able to work all this stuff. Um, Josh, take a couple of breaths. All right. You had a lot of talk in there. Uh, Chris, Chris, what do you digest some of the stuff that uh, Josh just talked about for us? Oh, I mean, we compare it to DFS, you know, and you kind of, Josh said one year. And I think that's the big key is I love the article. I love the study, but we can't put too much uh, stock in one year of data. But as DFS grew, you know, stacking in the beginning, nobody even knew what it was. And then stacking, oh, we got to stand and everybody stack. So <laughs> it, it's kind of the same evolution will happen with best balls, we get more years of data behind us, but I definitely think stacking is important, but it's deciding how many pieces on an offense do you want? Do you want to roll with running backs or quarterbacks, which will be the lesser owned of a stack. Same thing we see in GPPs. How many receivers or tight ends do we want with a quarterback? Focus on good offenses. You know, some people, Hey, I stacked the the Buffalo bills. Well, I mean, I'm stacking the jets as many ways as according, according to Josh stacking the jets. That's going to win. Right. So you're paying that, that rank baby for us (laughs) to win a hundred thousand. I like it. But so that's a big key, but I think stacking is important. That being said, I'm not going out of my way to stack on every single team. If the draft comes to me and it falls that way, then sure, I'll take a shot on it. But I'm not going to reach around two rounds for a guy mm-hmm. just to stack an offense. So if, if, if it comes together that way, so be it. If not, oh, well, I'll take my chances with the roster as is. All right, Josh, I want to talk about a couple other strategies. So I'm, you know, like, here, here's, here's some things that float through my head, right? So you've got, first thing you got to do, is you got to win the first 12 weeks, right? So you do, do you want to make a team that's you know you can look at all I, I go to like a guy like sharp football right really smart a lot of us think sometimes we're the smartest person in the room he probably is like one of the smartest people in the room so I spend a lot of time on his site and you look you can look at all kinds of things like strength of schedule based on Vegas odds and predicted defensive strength and all this kind of fun stuff right so you know I'm thinking hey do I want to make you know do I want to get a team that has uh, a couple of guys that specifically have good weeks one through 12, and then maybe it's a little dicey on the back end, right? But they give me a good chance of getting there. Or would you rather stack up, you know, make your team normally, but maybe you reach for a guy, like I was looking at Leonard Fournette, right? So his uh, his week 13 game, he's against the Colts. His week 14 game, he's against the Titans. Then he's got the Redskins at home and away against the Dolphins. You're not going to find a much better rushing schedule, theoretically, right? Like this is early in the season, then probably that. So if I'm sitting there, I don't know, like the 1.7, maybe it's a little bit of a reach for Fournette, right? But he's probably not going to kill me. But then, boom, he could take off in those weeks 13 through 16. And you've got to run pure in those last couple of weeks to get there, right? So you got any thoughts on some of these cockamamie strategies I've thought of? Yeah, it's um, it's kind of an interesting conundrum. And I think that, you know, draft offering 150 spots for you to put in teams into this contest, I think really the best approach is probably have a blend of that. 
mm-hmm. those two strategies, you know, play for week 12 and just make it to the dance. And if you can make it to the dance, then you take your chances. And all the, you know, on the other side, you just talked about it, you know, let's, let's try to load everything up for the back end and hope we can get through 12 weeks and just get to the dance. So I, I would say that for that second strategy for trying to load up for the back end, I think you probably need to be very careful about which teams you pick because defenses are very hard to predict season to season in my, at least in my experience. So unless you are really good at predicting defenses three months away from now and, and trying to size up, you know, what injuries could happen, how would that affect that defense's ability to defend the offenses that you're targeting, then you may want to shy away from that strategy unless you're okay, just rolling the dice and, and, and uh, losing. And if you're cool with rolling the dice and losing, then yeah, maybe that's that GPP mindset of, you know, let's go hard and get a tight core and go all or nothing on the last four or five weeks. That may work really well for you. Uh, For me personally, I'm going to try to get in, just get through 12 weeks and then take my chances. Uh, Beers. What if I told you you're Packers, right? Uh, week 13, home against the Cardinals, 11-point favorites right now. Home against the Falcons, away against the Bears. Week 16, home against the Jets. Sounds like you might be drafting some Aaron Rodgers, my friend. Oh, you know I'll have some Packers. <laughs> the, the Homer bias in me will have some. But I agree with Josh. I, I think you got to get into the playoffs is the most important thing. If we rank everything here, what's the most important? you got to get in the dance, first of all. And, again, like Josh said, we don't predict things as well as we think we do. You know, we all think. Oh, I'm going to nail every one of my picks. I know what defense is going to be good, bad. We don't know that. So you predict for the end of the year, that's going to be problems. You got to predict for the beginning of the year first and then get in. Then you take your chances. It's no different there than your season long league. You get into the playoffs, you roll your best team out there and you see what happens. So I like looking ahead. And I think in a coin flip situation, if you're torn between Mm -hmm. a Leonard Fournette, a Melvin Gordon, or do I take an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson? That's when I'm going to look at that and say, okay, Green Bay, better schedule down the stretch. That's going to be the deciding factor to roll me over to some of those Green Bay guys. Yeah, there's a, I, I use sharp football. There's a couple other things out there, but like the, the late season strength of schedule, it's so tough to predict, like Josh says, right? It's so tough to predict what a defense is going to look like later in the season. Is the is your guy even still going to be hurt? There's like all kinds of things that can go wrong. But uh, I don't know, there's some, I think there's some trends here. I think, you know, Josh, if, if you're sitting there, right, and you kind of like Beer said, it's a tiebreaker, and, and you've got one guy who, who maybe he's fallen a little bit more, and you have another guy who's, who's still there and probably shouldn't be drafted for maybe another, like, six or seven picks, but you notice his week 13 or 14 or 15, or, or I, don't, I don't even mind taking two guys who have, like, really good week 16s, maybe reaching, I don't know, five or six picks for them, if you can think their week 16 might be really good. Do you think any of that bars just a little bit of credence? And then I'm going to talk about uh, another strategy here in a second, just basically being completely different from the start. Yeah, you know, I don't have any problem reaching for picks, especially late in the draft, because you go get your guys. Don't worry about ADP at that point. I mean, you just go pick your players and and just be happy with what you got and take your risk there. That's a really the good place to plant your flag in my opinion, as opposed to doing it early in the draft. So, yeah, if you spy a week 15, 16 matchup that looks really peachy to you and you need to reach, you know, around to get a guy, go for it, man. Do it. Uh, Chris, too, you're going to be playing a lot of these. So I want to talk I've, – I've got one in so far. I'm certainly going to be uh, kind of ramping it up uh, probably even tonight while I watch the All-Star game a little bit today. So are you actively tracking – it's kind of hard. But in, in your head, if you're like, hey, I just drafted Devontae Adams in three straight drafts, should I not draft Devontae Adams in my fourth draft? Is that something you consider? You know, if you're playing a lot of these, 
kind of what's like the the maximum you know exposure you'd want to a certain guy I think somewhere I don't think enough stuff I had 25 to 30 percent you know even if you miss on one guy and we'll talk about this in a minute you can have a complete dud and still win like you can't have really more than one but you can have a dud and kind of still win so um what's kind of like your player exposure when you're playing a lot of yeah, I'm actually building a spreadsheet right now that will incorporate who I've taken and then how many drafts do I want to take them in. And it'll be a loose number. You know, I'm not going to get to, you know, say I want 50 Devontae Adams in the 51st draft. He's still available in the third round. Obviously, I'm going to I'm going to take him. But just a loose kind of like a, a an auction type. I want an idea of where I want to be close to and I want to get close to that. But I really think it, it's a GPP mindset in that, I want a tight core of guys. I don't want to try to draft every single guy somewhere. Oh, I don't have any Leonard Fournette. I better go out of my way to get them. I want to, from the beginning, know these are my guys. These are guys I'm not so high on. And that will change throughout the summer. You know, you got to have an open mind. I don't want to say, don't draft Kareem Hunt now. Well, maybe, you know, in a month from now, I'm all about Kareem Hunt in top five. So you got to be flexible just like you are in any draft. But I really think, these are the guys I want. These are the guys I don't want. And rather than trying to cover every offense, every player, stick with that core, kind of mix it up differently the same way you would if you multi-entered a GPP. That's how I'm attacking this thing. Um, I actually, I emailed Josh. Listen, I, I wanted to know, right? Like if I win weeks one through 12, who am I getting matched up with, right? Like, is it, is it, is it 11 other guys from like right around the time frame of when I drafted? They tell me it's random, completely random. So if that's random, uh, there's a nice article on Fantasy Insiders, right? Uh, I read it today. It's poking around the site. And it basically says draft right now because you're not going to have a bigger edge now. As, as time goes on, people are going to have more complete information. The ADPs will kind of be more where they should. You should probably have already been drafting. Um, but from what I gathered on that, it looks like I should be drafting right now if I if I think I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, this, you just said it. That This is the time when people that are knowledgeable about the league and understand the offensive situations, or at least, you know, pretty much all the offensive situations, this is when you get your leverage. This is when you get guys later than they should be going in the drafts. This is when you avoid the landmines that are in early rounds. And, you know, how else can you get leverage on the field than by ADP at this point? It's difficult to get it by ownership. I think it will be very difficult to come by ownership leverage, especially in the last four weeks in knockout play. So the best way to get it now is to have it ADP and try to stack as many ADP breakers on your roster as you can right now. Yeah. So let me me jump in real quick and just add to that is murky situations right now is the time to take advantage of that. Whether it's green Bay running backs, Indianapolis running backs, Indianapolis tight ends. When you don't have a clear answer of who's going to be the guy, people tend to push those guys back and you'll see that in ADP, all these running backs from green Bay, are in the seventh through the 11th round. If you take a stand and say, Aaron Jones is my guy, that's who I'm rolling with. You're going to get in much later than when training camp hits and news comes out, hey, Aaron Jones is a starter. Now he's back in the fifth, fourth round. So any situation we don't have clarity on right now, and like Josh said, if you you know the league, you kind of figure out, hey, I'm going to plant my flag on this guy, there is a huge advantage of drafting right now. All right, I want to talk on one more strategy too. Um, and then we're going to get into some really cool uh, charts and statistics from last year. What kind of got you into the top three? What got you into the bottom three, which you definitely don't want that Josh has whipped up for us. But Josh, I want to ask you, you know, like, so you win weeks one through 12. And if everybody's playing it straight, 
you're now lumped into with 11 other people that also won, right? So um, you talked about getting leverage on the field later in the draft. So as we progress, the teams are going to look more and more and more alike, right? It's just how this particular format works. So what do you want to do to combat that a little bit is, you know, everyone's like running back, running back, and it's half PPR. And I get it. The running backs are important. Do you, you know, is going, I wouldn't say zero running back, but like, you know, if, you know, you're on the turn or you're taking Tony Brown, and then you can run it back with Keenan Allen and then you can get Mike Evans in the third round or something like that. Just being contrarian from the start. Do you think you're going to just to be able to get leverage later on in weeks 13 through 16, as the teams get more and more similar in, in general, uh, I don't hate kind of doing some really weird kind of drafting. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's certainly a viable strategy. You'd probably, you know, let's say you wouldn't want to allocate 30% of your portfolio to that kind of strategy, but let's say maybe 15, right? Yeah. That's kind of your, that's your, that's your high risk, high yield, you know, that's your uh, small cap, if you will, investment, if you're, if you're into economics. So, you know, if you want to have that super high risk, uh, part of your portfolio. I think that's a good way to do it. It's just, you know, let's get away from ADP and let's take guys kind of out of their ADP range and see if we can buck some trends. And, you know, what you also might do in that situation is you might force other people into mistakes because they're seeing things that are not expected. And when people see things unexpected, especially on a 30 second clock, they tend to think something that they normally wouldn't think and they might make a decision they normally shouldn't make. So that could play to your advantage, I think, in a, in a really quick clock situation. Yeah. The, the quick clock too. So people get auto drafted, people sign up. And even if it takes like a half hour, you know, they get, st- they get stuck with a, the kids beer makers fan, then they can't draft and they're auto drafting their whole draft, right? There's a lot of edge in these. I, I wish it was the slow draft. I would have liked that personally. I think the quick draft, if you're capable on your feet and you know, the specific type of strategy you'd at least want to probably employ for this specific draft. Uh, I think you can actually get a lot of, a lot of advantage with the quick clock. So maybe chime in on that. And then also just differentiating yourself from the field, because just because the nature of this tournament, as you progress, all the winners are going to have somewhat similar lineups after week 12. And then the top three of those teams by nature are going to get more similar every week as you progress If you do something a little off the board and it really works out and you happen to get there to the end, I mean, you're fighting like nobody to move off the board if your team has a good week. Oh, how's that? Yeah, we're back. There we go. See, (laughs) amateur hour here for me. But uh, the the short clock is definitely an advantage. People will time out, like you said. The, The biggest thing I can say is be prepared, which I wasn't right there with the mute button. But when you jump into a draft, have your stuff set up already. Don't just jump in and draft. Kind of know what you want. You can set up the order of guys you want rather than going off what everyone else is going off, which is the ADP on the site. And don't be a slave to ADP. I'm going to say that all summer long. It's a guide, especially if you're drafting on the turn and there's somebody you want, you're going to have to take a leap sometimes and get your guy rather than sitting there, oh, I'll try to wait around. And then they're going to be gone. So if there's somebody you really want at one of those turns, don't be afraid to jump in and get them. But I love those quick clocks. You, know, you got to think on your feet. The more prepared you are going into the draft, the better. And as far as strategies long term, I think it's really swinging for the fences with high upside guys late in the draft. You know, you, you compare a, a Rashard Matthews, who I love, he's undervalued, with a guy like Kenny Galladay. We know Galladay has a huge ceiling and a big opportunity. Those are the kind of guys I want. You know, we mentioned 
Kamara, if you hit on him last year, you probably would have put yourself in a good position here. So guys that have a chance to make a major impact and have a huge ceiling, those are the guys I want to draft late in the draft rather than the guys, yeah, they're safe in a season long. They may fit a bill for you. Even on an aggressive best ball team, they may fit a spot. But I really want those high ceiling. I want to swing for the fences. If I miss, so be it. But that's the only way I'm going to win this thing is taking huge upside guys later in my draft especially. All right. So, uh, Josh, any any final thoughts on just, I don't know, some strategy talk? We're, we're going to get to these uh, some of these uh, these really cool data points you brought up for us on what got you there last year and what didn't get you there. But you got any final thoughts, anything you want to you wanna kind of get out there for the people? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've hit on it a few times already, but I don't know if we've specifically like thrown out any numbers. But when we get past week 12, we get to weeks 13 to 16, you're going to be looking at a lot of probably 4v4, 3v3 situations in your, you know, in your leagues. And that could be across the whole league. It could be, you know, just down to three or four guys that make it or break it for you every week so far as your, as your best score is concerned. So I think those players are probably going to come from the last five or six rounds of your draft. Who takes the best players there that that really blow up ADP? And typically I will say that running back is not the position to draft that late because running backs very rarely come from that late in, in a draft, this type of draft, mm-hmm. and just totally shatter ADP unless there's like a, you know, stra- um, a catastrophic injury situation with, with one particular offense. So I would say that late in the draft, you need to side more toward the quarterback, more toward the wide receiver, maybe even more toward the tight end uh, as your high upside guys there. And, you know, occasionally, yeah, you're going to want to take a running back back there, but I think swinging for the fences running back that late is um, it may be a little bit minus EV. Yeah. So uh, I guess this, this kind of goes into your running back stack and I guess you can talk it into handcuffs. So uh, is it, you know, beer to you, if you draft David Johnson, are you taking Chase Edmonds at, at your in the 18th pick just in case, uh, or would you rather like swing for the fences? That that kind of like hurts you in, in my opinion, right? Because you want you want David Johnson to be healthy the whole season. You're just wasting your pick. I, I'd much rather spend that on something else and try to hit two guys instead. Of one. Completely agree. I want all 18 of my guys able to contribute every single week. So if I draft a handcuff, I'm not going to get that. If David Johnson gets hurt. You draft Edmonds on your non-David Johnson team. Right, exactly. And you take a shot there. But if David Johnson gets hurt, breaking news, you're probably not going to win. So it's not going to matter if you have Chase Edmonds. So I'm not a a handcuff running back guy. There's a couple situations that I will handcuff actually different positions. Tight end being one of them. There's one situation that I would handcuff that we'll get to. But, again, I want all 18 guys able to contribute to my score each and every week. And if you handcuff, you're limiting that number. You're going down from 18, 17, 16, however many times mm-hmm. you handcuff. Plus, we don't always know who the backup's going to be. Sure, we think it's Chase Edmonds, but we never really know who the next guy up in line is in a lot of these situations. So I'm not going to waste a pick on those guys. When I have them, I agree. On different teams, sure, I'll take a shot on these guys end of the bench, but I'm not handcuffing many running backs this season. All right, let's get uh, let's spend the last part of the show uh, talking about some of the data uh, Josh has uh, kind of finagled behind the scenes over at Fantasy Insiders for us to show here. Uh, and we're going to kind of look at, Josh, what got you into the top three last year. So both of you guys can see my screen here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of break it down for everybody here so they can follow along what's going on here. So this is of all the people who finished in the top three, right? See, I got look at look at all this cool stuff I can do, right? So of the top three, uh, about 65% of them, it looks like, drafted Todd Gurley. Uh, so, like, you needed Todd Gurley if you wanted to finish into the top three or something like that last year. We've got his ADP here. 
uh, 20.3. And then right here we have the number of scoring weeks on average too. So basically if you drafted Todd Gurley for 16 weeks, he was in your scoring lineup almost four, you know, almost 14 and a half of those weeks, a smidge over 14. Josh, am I interpreting this correct? That's exactly correct. Oh boy. Whew. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> that's good. I made, I, I made a simple enough viz for everybody to interpret. So that's a win. Yeah. So uh, explain kind of what's going on here. You got, we're going to look at the top and bottom overall. We're going to go through the positions and here's where we can kind of talk about. Here's some, who's this year's Todd Gurley? Who's this year's Alvin Kamara? Who's this year's whoever on the good and the bad and how do we get to them? So uh, I'll let you kind of take the floor. Tell us what's going on here. And uh, maybe we'll get into the picks in a little bit when we go position by position, but just explain some of the important things going on. Yeah. So really kind of the, the gist of this type of, of representation, this visualization is that you want to see what kind of players won last year, where, where you had to draft them, how much they have to contribute to your lineup in order for you to succeed. So what this is, is I, I took every team that finished in the top three of its draft into 12 team draft. And I just processed every single roster and said, which players got those people over the top. And so obviously you just talked about Todd Gurley. Well, Todd Gurley was a pick at the end of the second round last year. If you would have known Todd Gurley was going to do what Todd Gurley did last year, you would have taken him 101. But you if got him at pick, all that smart. I know, right? So you got him at pick 24. So that means that, you know, everybody that started their draft and took Le'Veon Bell with the second pick and then also got Todd Gurley at the 23rd pick, they won their league. So this is kind of the representation of that, of what kind of players – where they were taken, uh, and the ADP I have in parentheses on the viz. And then lastly, you know, right there to the right of the bar is how many weeks they had to contribute in order, or, or they did contribute to the rosters that they were on, on average. So, you know, you look at these guys, and we talk about ADP breakers earlier. So we see a lot of ADP breakers on this chart right here. So guys that were taken in the middle rounds that perform like a first or second round pick, and how many weeks they gave to your to your roster. So, you know, what we can kind of back out from this is based on the round that you're selecting a player, how many weeks should you expect that player to contribute to your roster from a productivity standpoint? So, you know, we could start at the very beginning of the draft in the first couple of rounds and thinking, okay, well, I probably need this guy for 13, 14 weeks of the season. And if he's not contributing that much, he's not pulling his weight. And you can scale that back to probably, you know, let's say eight to 10 weeks in the middle rounds. And then finally at the back end, you're hoping for two to four weeks. So if you think about it from that perspective, rather than just, you know, like sheer points or, you know, how many, uh, how many touchdowns they're going to score, you might be able to make some more informed decisions about the type of player you pick at a certain part of the draft. Uh, Beer, what do you make of this chart here? There's a lot going on here. Um, we'll, we'll get to positions by positions. So I don't want to talk too much about players. But, you know, last year, if you know, you, you draft Todd Gurley, you know, let's say you took Le'Veon Bell in the first round, you get Gurley on the turn, uh, you know, you come back, you hit him with DeAndre Hopkins somehow too. I mean, there's just almost no chance you lose. In the end, it, all, it comes down, Josh talks about this with me behind the scenes. You know, if you pick the right players, you're going to win. If you pick the wrong players, you're going to lose. Um, so, so like, how, how do it's we that simple. Yeah. <laughs> it mean, absolutely it is. is. <laughs> what do you kind of make of what's going on here? Well, what I, what I see here is I see seven guys with ADPs 100 or higher. So mm-hmm. you hit on some late-round guys. I also see guys that had a down year and that drove their price down. Gurley, Hopkins, you know, a lot of guys that disappointed people the year before. And I think that's a great strategy, whether you're in best ball season long, is hopping right back on that. We know recency bias is very real. So people are going to slide these guys down. They're not as good, but 
look at the late names that were hit on. Not, not just Kamara, but Robbie Anderson in the 160s. Adam Thielen, 106. Deion Lewis, way down there. So, you know, these are all, I mean, we can say it's easy to look back. Hindsight is 2020, but look at the high upside names. And most of these guys come from good offenses. That's the other part is you're, you're not going to see a lot of bad offenses on here. We see Pittsburgh. We see Minnesota. Sure, you get the Jets in there once in a while. But for the most part, these are guys from top 10 offenses. I think that's another thing to keep late in draft. When you're debating between a few guys, mm. give me the guys, especially the running backs that are on good offenses. Give me can't, give me a guy catching passes from Drew Brees. That sounds good. That'll right? work too. That sounds good. Um, all right, let's go to – so this was the good, right, Josh? This is what yes. won you. All right, let's look at what did not get you there because this is like the who's who of uh, disappointment from last this year. This is the trail of tears. Yeah, let me see here. Uh, <laughs> share window. All right, so you should be able to see this here, right? So let's uh, – you know, David Johnson, the 1.11, you got – oh, let me get all these fancy tools I just got shown about today. So he was the 1-1. He scored for you – 2.6 weeks gone for the season. And if you finished in the bottom three, you pro- you were in like the 55, you know, you almost had no chance if you took David Johnson. Right? Yeah, what that means is that some week he's, he was contributing a goose egg to your roster. Yeah. For, for all those times here. So let's back this out here and let's, uh, I don't know, in general, let's take a look at what caused this. I see a lot of injury. I don't, I see a, a little bit of underperformance and I see like a guy like Jay Ajayi at the bottom. I mean, he didn't have a horrible season, right? How's what, what's he doing on this list? Yeah. And just it, the simple thing is look at his ADP 13.5 mm-hmm. overdrafted, right? So people were projecting a high output on a player that was in a dicey situation. So, you know, you have to be very careful about projecting players, especially running backs for breakouts when maybe some of the tea leaves are saying that that's not going to be the case for one reason or another. So um, be careful about reaching early. I would say. Um, Beer, your boy, Aaron Rodgers. what's he doing on all these losing rosters last year, right? It's just a lot of injuries. It's Rodgers. It's luck. It's Edelman. It's where uh, Odell Beckham, Terrell Pryor was kind of like a, a mix of everything was even good to begin with. Uh, who, who really knows on that Snead got the PDs and then never saw the field. Reed got hurt. Meredith got hurt. Robinson got hurt. John Ross scored negative fantasy points. And like that, how do you even do that for a whole season when you're drafted in the first round? I don't know. Uh, what's your take on this? I know I had more fantasy points than John Ross did. <laughs> yeah, we all did. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, year, it's, it, it's mostly injuries, as you can, like you said, you know, the biggest thing I'm going to go back to is a lot of these guys, you're going to get lower in your draft than you probably should. Odell Beckham's a guy I see sometimes falling out of the first round, which mm-hmm. I think is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know, Spencer Ware late in your draft. I think that's a great pick. So guys that people are down on, like I said in the last segment, are it's guys every, that it's can, everybody. Right. That whole <laughs> list pretty much. You're, you know, Andrew Luck. Joe Williams a, hype. Oh, my God. Remember when we were taking Mike Gillisley in like the third round? Oh, yeah. I remember I'm, we did these I'm shows. Guy, for sure. I remember me and you were doing these shows. And I dra- I had some Mike Gillisley, too. And we I were had we a lot of Mike Gillisley. Oh, my goodness. What were we doing, Beer? No idea. So that that's part of it, though. You're going to miss on some picks, like we said in the beginning. You know, you're not going to hit on every single pick. But going back to some of these guys and getting them lower than, than you would have last year, I love that strategy again in basketball and season long. All right. So let's, let's go position by position a little bit here to close out the show um, and try to figure out like who is this year's X player 
that's going to outscore his ADP, right? Based off some of the stuff we have from last year. It's just one year of data, but we'll see what we can glean out of it. So Josh, I've brought up the quarterbacks and you know, if you drafted Russell Wilson last year, the one thing I noticed here is the quarter, you'll see the, the top running backs and receivers. They're, you know, scoring 13, 14, you know, of your weeks, the quarterbacks are really not scoring a ton of weeks for you. It's like if they're 50, 50, which one of your two quarterbacks is going to have the better week. I mean, Russell Wilson had a great season and still, if you paired him with any random other quarterback, he, he's not going to score for you in what five of those weeks and Russell Wilson. So quarter, this is kind of like late quarterback too, is, is all kind of tied into this. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway uh, from this? And then also who, who could be Russell Wilson or Carson Wentz or, or Cam Newton this year? Yeah. So I, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head is that, you know, we're looking at quarterbacks and figuring out pretty quick that you can draft an elite quarterback and he's only going to contribute half the season. So you have to ask yourself, is it really worth it? Like when I could take a high-end running back or a high-end wide receiver or a stud tight end in that same draft position. So you have to really question whether it's worth it for Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. There was, a, there was a lot of quarterback injuries and like turnovers at the position. Left. I think that held this down a little bit on this data set. If it was a little more healthy, I think we would have seen the cream rise at the top. But that is one thing I, I, I do want to point out. Yeah, and I think that's a fair argument. But, you know, I'm looking on this list, and there's one name I do not see on this list. It's very surprising. That name is Drew Brees. Do you see it on there? Because I do not see his name on there. No, he didn't really get started until the NFL playoffs. He was just kind of way down there, right? Right. So, you know, we talk about situations that are right for exploitation. That's the guy. Because in a lot of drafts, you can get him as quarterback seven or quarterback eight, and he probably should be drafted quarterback three or quarterback two. So, immediately you see a situation of a player that probably should belong on this list that's not there. That's the kind of uncertainty we want to rush to. That's where we want to go and invest because other people are fading it. Other people think about last year and they're like, oh, well, he didn't throw 40 touchdowns last year, so he's also not going to throw 40 touchdowns this year. And that's where we want to buy. Uh, you know, the other thing I see here is the, you know, you have some really late picks here that are dominant. So we've got Carson Wentz. We've got um, – where do you go? Alex Smith. Yep. And I've also got Jared Goff. So there will be some quarterbacks that fall super late this year that are going to blow up. And, you know, a lot of folks are trying to pencil Patrick Mahomes into this category this year. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think he's going to be a little bit overdrafted, but you have Marcus Mariota who's shown us before oh, what yeah. he can do. You've got Jameis Winston, who's going to ride out a three game suspension, but at quarterback 25, well, you talk about a guy that's ripe for exploitation. You can rush into that and get a really good discount. You know, we talk about a player like Mitchell Trubisky, who could be what we want Patrick Mahomes to be. So there are a lot of ripe situations on offenses that have completely changed their strategy, their coaching personnel that we probably want to look at really strongly in the last half of the quarterback group. Uh, Beer, what do you, what do you, your takeaways from this graph here? I agree with everything Josh said. Just the, the late waiting on quarterback as long as possible. I think you're going to hear that a lot, but I, I think people always ask, some well, how, point, how long do point, I wait? It gets uh, you know? a little ridiculous. Like I'm if Tom Brady's there in like the end of the eighth round, I don't care. I'm right. taking Tom Brady there. And that happens quite a bit now. And that's where you adjust your strategy. Guys yeah. fall and you weren't planning on taking a quarterback early, but you get to a certain point where those guys are still there. Breeze, Brady, whoever mm-hmm. it may be. Cam where, Newton, where's Tom Brady? Josh, where's Tom Brady? I think we're going to see him somewhere else in a minute. <laughs> yeah, because uh, maybe he was a little overdrafted, I think, but well, we'll get onto that here. So let's uh, let's go to the bottom three quarterback. I think, I think I've think i got this all figured out, how to work all this fun technology here. So I'll share my window. 
Um, so beer, beer, let's go to you here first here. Josh made all these. Let's, let's get some beer makers analysis on the fly on this. I, I don't want to hurt you with the Aaron Rodgers, but you know, it looks like a lot of people who drafted Aaron Rodgers finished in the bottom three because he, <laughs> yeah, John, um, he, you know, he scored for you eight weeks, right? That's great. Basically every week he played, he scored for you. And then he gets hurt. He's not scoring for you the rest of the season. You see Andrew no. Luck. Luck was in a whole dicey situation the whole time. He was drafted a little late. Some, you know, it just didn't work out for you. We see some other guys. Bradford got injured. It's just like a, a list of a bunch of garbage guys, except for like Tom Brady scored, right? He scored for you a lot, but his ADP was so high that you still finished in the bottom when you reached this high for an elite quarterback, it seemed like. Right. I see a lot of guys that got injured, and I see a lot of guys that, that were overdrafted. Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of the third round, Tom Brady in the third round. So reaching to get those elite-level quarterbacks, and I think a lot of newer players, that's what they want. They want, oh, I feel good about Aaron Rodgers. He, he's safe. I know what I'm going to get out of him when we know late in the draft. I completely agree on a guy like Marcus Mariota. Love his upside. Bounce back this year. I think Matt Ryan is going to come back. He's basically free late in draft so uh, these are some guys that yeah they underperform but I'm going to go back to it again give me the guys that underperform last season because their ADPs are a couple rounds lower than they should be this season yeah Matt Matt Ryan's going after uh Patrick Mahomes Josh and I think in most drafts I'm looking at it's beautiful (laughs) there is (laughs) you can get um I want to ask both of you real quick here so usually like the quarterback run is like the 10th and 11th round right this is when like in those two rounds, I don't know, maybe like 10 quarterbacks go off the board. Everybody's waiting. I've been – I'm trying to get like the best of like – I'm trying to get like the Brady's, the the Breeze, like kind of like that – the I don't know, the early run of that in like the end of the ninth round before if I wait all the way down, I'm just picking up like the Trubisky's who are still good, right? But it's just like another tier – you know, several tiers down, in my opinion, at quarterback. Do, do you think, Josh, we should be getting ahead of that run at like the 10th, 11th in these and maybe taking a, a better quarterback in the ninth? Or are we waiting for that whole run to pass and picking up the scrap heaps in the 12th and 13th rounds? I think you probably need to do both, honestly, if you're going to build a portfolio of best ball rosters. And, you know, I'd certainly like your strategy of, of trying to catch the guys on the end of like, they'll call it tier two, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the super elite guys, but that batch in between. And the guy I really like in that range is, is Matt Stafford. And mm-hmm. I think he's I got a lot of he's, Matt he's the quarterback I see that could be a top five quarterback at a high volume passing offense that's going at quarterback 10 or 11. So I like him a lot. Phillip Rivers, I think I could just go ahead and slide him in with, with Matt Stafford and that kind of regime. So if, I think if you do that, you're probably committing to a two quarterback strategy. And the reason I say that is you've, you're committing a, quite a bit of resources into a quarterback, let's say earlier in the draft, the eighth round, the ninth round. And if you do that, then you're probably saying, okay, well, I'm going away from a wide receiver or running back that I feel will give me eight to nine starting weeks and dropping back and trying to take a guy that's not going to be quite as valuable in my roster at that position. So I think if you do that, you're committing to two quarterbacks. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. So on the flip side, if you do want to wait, I would say, yeah, wait for that first wave of the, let's say, tier three guys, let's say quarterback 12 to quarterback 22 to get out of the way. And maybe you take one or two at the end of that of that tier because people will slow down on quarterback and then grab a third quarterback from that last, that very last group. And it could be any of the higher upside guys that you see. It could be, you know, it could be Blake Bortles. It could be Ryan Tannehill. It could be Joe Flacco. It could you be know, one of the rookies. I mean, they're all, they're all the same down there at the bottom. Theoret- one of them is going to be better in the long run, but – 
I don't know if you think you can know which one it is. Um, again, if you're playing multiple, the portfolio approach, I take that in uh, DFS GPPs uh, basically you make a stock where you got your, your chalk, you got your low owned guys, you got all kinds of treat it like a stock portfolio is a good way to do it. So um, uh, let's go to running back and let's see here. Let me find it. Uh, all right here. So uh, Josh, I'll stick with you on running back here. So we see pretty much last year that, Hey, if you drafted Todd Gurley, you got into the top three about, I don't know, I almost want to say a nice 69%, but it's probably around like 67 or 68% or something. Yeah, we'll call it 69%. That's, <laughs> yeah, a, good, that's a nice yeah. round number. <laughs> just, just for fun, uh, you know, if you've got Kamara, you had a good season. If you got Hunt, Hunt's strange, right? Because before he was being drafted, what, like 120 or 130, and then his ADP skyrockets once uh, the injury to Spencer Ware. But if you got him – you know, you really profited if you got him uh, before the Spencer Ware injury. Like, you're, it's almost like if you get the running back that completely exceeds expectations, like the hit rates on that dude are like you're going to get a chance at the top three almost like 50% of the time. Yeah, I think so. It's, so it's, you know, the interesting thing that I, that I note here is, is the situation that we're looking at, right? So you're looking at, you know, probably a high powered rookie that's coming into a very good offense or what we think could be a very good offense. And all it takes is an injury maybe for him to get there. So, you know, we need to think about this season. What are those situations? Where are those players right now? And how late can I draft them? And can I get a lot of them on a roster together so that my upside is way up here and not maybe just right here in the middle? Um, what is Frank explain to me the Frank Gore conundrum here, Josh, real quick here. What, what is, what does this mean with Frank? How did Frank Gore have an ADP of 87 last year? And it looked like he was just plodding along scoring for everybody every week too. Uh, Frank, Frank Gore could never <laughs> die. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing about Frank Gore is I think it's the same thing as Marshawn Lynch this year. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a steady return on a guy. So you, you know that he has a starting role, you know, it's relatively secure and he'll probably see roughly 20 touches a game. And if you know that a player is going to get 20 touches a game and he's in the, you know, seventh or eighth round, I think he's a worthwhile draft pick. There's a floor there, right? That's you know, he can contribute on a weekly basis. Now it may only be six to nine points, but you'll take six to nine points at running back from one, you know, if you know, you can depend on that every week. So I think that kind of explains why he's right there. Uh, Beer, taking a look at this chart here, you know, let's talk some low ADP guys. Again, we had Deion Lewis, we've got Elvin Kamara, Rex Burkhead, you know, when me and you were taking Gillisley, the smart people were taking Burkhead, and Burkhead allowed them to get up there. Uh, Jamal Williams, even though he didn't score a lot, if you had him for those couple of weeks, you know, like that really boosts you up when you get guys so late. Even Giovanni Bernard, I like Bernard a little bit this year too, a little bit. Like I think he's probably a little bit going a little bit too late. Um, there's a lot to take in from the low ADPs. So like what are what are a couple low ADP guys this year you think could – you know, it's tough to be Alvin Kamara, the, the greatest efficient season in NFL history. I think we're kidding ourselves if we're going to pinpoint the next Alvin Kamara this year. But who, who could be a, a Chris Thompson, a Deion Lewis, one of those type of guys for us? I'm going to go back to Aaron Jones. I think he's the best running back. A Packer? And, no, come, of course. Get out of man. Here. I got to stay on brand here. Of course it's a Packer. But, you know, again, it's a murky situation, the suspension. Everyone's just assuming this is Jamal Williams' job. I think Jamal Williams is going to be drastically overdrafted uh, over the summer. So give me the latest guy drafted and to me, the best guy in that backfield and it's Aaron Jones. So I think he could be a home run late in your draft. It's a, it's a running back in an Aaron Rodgers offense. I mean, we know there's going to be value there. So 
absolutely love the prospects for Jones this year, even with the suspension. All right, let's look at the bottom three. I'm going to speed these up a little bit, uh, guys, because we got about, I don't know, less than 10 minutes probably left on the show here. So, uh, Josh, what are your, some takeaways from the bottom scoring finishers? We see David Johnson, right? We see Spencer Ware. What were we doing drafted? Who's Joe Williams this year? I don't want to draft the Joe Williams of this year, right? I don't want to draft the Mike Gillisley of this year. Who are some guys that could just like utterly disappoint, even if we're drafting them early or late that we just don't want to target this year. Like I don't, I don't want this year's Joe Williams. I don't even want to spend my 16 round pick. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want Joe Williams this year, I think you need to be careful with a guy like uh, Jordan Wilkins in Indianapolis. I think you need to be careful with a player like um, Rashad Penny in Seattle uh, even Chris Carson in Seattle to some degree. So, you know, there are players, you know, we talked earlier about buying into murky situations, buying into places where there are, is some uncertainty. Here's the risk. We see the risk right here in buying uncertainty, right? Because you can get stuck with a guy that loses out on an uncertain situation and you're left holding the bag. That's just playing best ball right there. Bottom line. So if you want to buy into uncertain situations, this is the downside. Um, and I want to know too, it's tough to win when the 1.1 gets hurt right but I mean the bottom three only about 50 a little less than 55 percent of the time so 45 percent of the time the David Johnson team didn't finish in the bottom three like you can have you can have a landmine or two and still compete in best ball it's just what it is Um, so don't get you know if it happens of course it stinks right but you can you can still win with a landmine or two here Uh, you got anything beer anything stand out for you on this page no, I think it's pretty much summed it up. I agree on Rashad Penny. I mean, it's a rookie coming into a bad offensive line, a guy that can't pass protect. So uh, he's not a guy I'm big on. I think Derrick Henry, another guy that's being overdrafted right now, and it will even go higher with the reports he's going to be the lead back. Give me Deion Lewis, a pass catcher in that offense all day, two rounds later than taking Derrick Henry in the third. What? How did I did not, Josh? Isaiah Crowell, ADP was 28.9 last year. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a lot of steam on Crowell last year. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Looking back at these, like, what were we thinking, guys, right? So, like, this is just, just some of the stuff you don't exactly know, but uh, a couple of guys, um, you know, don't don't pick the Joe Williams or the Isaiah Crowell of this year up towards the top. You can avoid it. Uh, let's look at the top. We'll, we'll, we'll close this out with the top receivers and the top tight ends. We'll, we'll stop looking at the uh, the bottom part here. Uh, but yeah, Josh, it's getting depressing. Those, those bottom guys. <laughs> yeah, I see a lot of guys are on their rosters. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we see here, Josh. We see Deion. You know, you had DeAndre Hopkins, and this is where these guys just score for you every week if you get the right receiver, right? Because receivers the most volatile. It's half PPR. You get a guy that does good every week for you. He's just always scoring. So basically, Hopkins he had his bye week, and then like he's, he literally scored for you every week, but his bye week possibly if he was on here. Antonio Brown as consistent as you can get but you're going to pay up for him. We got Robbie Anderson out of nowhere, catching all the bombs for the Jets. Like if imagine if you, you could theorize, you could have had Brown Hopkins and Robbie Anderson with Adam Thielen with Tyreek Hill and you were untouchable. Like this is possible receiver. There's way more variance than running back um, and half PPR. You need touchdowns. What are some of your takeaways? Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at a list like this and then and, and reflect back on the list of running backs that we saw, I, that's what it's going to take to win like this whole thing yeah. to win the million dollar contest is to stack four or five of these guys on a single roster. Now the question is, you know, can we identify them and get them together at one time at the right ADPs? I don't know. Good luck, but that's what we're trying to do. So, you know, what I see here is exactly what you pointed out. Guys are going later than they should be players that, 
for some reason they fell off on their ADP and that was recency bias. Chris mentioned that earlier. That's the whole reason these guys are falling off. That's where we're running in. That's where we want to go invest where people are scared. So the the trick we're going to do, and we're going to try to do this going forward is let's identify those guys, those situations and go after it. Uh, Chris, what do you got from this up towards the top? You know, it looks like if we draft, you know, we have all the guys that super outperform ADP. I think that, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, another Larry Fitzgerald can outperform his ADP again this year, right? Tyreek is Tyreek Hill. You know, he was 44 last year. Now he's going well, up in the third round and he's got to deal with Sammy Watkins with a new quarterback. I don't know. That looks like a guy might not be worth the ADP. If you kind of look at some of the risers and fallers and try to look back on it, what's something that stands out for you? I think the position is just so deep. You know, if, if there's any position I'm willing to wait on in a draft outside of I'll usually have eight or not. I, I try to have eight, if not nine receivers on my best ball teams. Yeah, but you can get so many guys and such good values late. And you see by this chart, you know, the Robbie Andersons, the Thielens, the Marvin Jones with an ADP after 100. You have a lot of those guys this season. Guys like Kenny Stills, I absolutely love this season. So yeah. this, the position, is, this is the same thing. Like, he's still getting drafted late. Right. I mean, he put up numbers last season and still it goes ignored. So the position is so deep that you're going to, you're going to draft three, four, five of these guys after ADP hundred, you hit on two or three of them like teams did with Anderson and Thielen. You're really setting yourself up for success. Let's see. So what do you got? You got a Galladay. Uh, who, who else you got for me in the, in the receivers going a little bit later that you like for me? Oh, like I said, I love some Kenny still. So that's a guy I'm taking in a lot of drafts. Galladay, uh, another name. And I'm going to go back to my Packers, Geronimo Allison, a name nobody's talking about, but could be the number two receiver for Aaron Rodgers and a guy that Rodgers trusts a lot. So you're getting a lot of Packers, but I love the value in Allison. Yeah, he'll be in there as a starter to at least start the season for sure for a couple of weeks, I would imagine. And what's that, like a costing you a 17th round? Even if he scores for you like two or three times, like that, that's cool in my book if you ask me. So um, uh, we'll go to tight ends to close. I actually haven't looked at the tight end sheet yet. So let's see what we got here, because this is probably going to be, if you drafted a good tight end, you probably did good. And if you didn't, you probably didn't. So uh, we see Ertz uh, went super late. Ertz going, you know, he's doubled, you know, his ADP skyrocketed after the good year. You know, you got Ertz last year, his tight end so volatile. He's just scoring for you week in, week out. Uh, Kelsey outperformed his ADP a little bit. Um, he's risen a little bit here. Uh, Josh, what's your, what's your kind of biggest takeaways here? I don't see... Gron, you know, Gronkowski is here if you drafted him, right? He's scoring for you every week, but he's not the the ownership game on, on trying to win in the top three. He, he's way down there. And this is basically where his ADP is at this year. Yeah, so you see, the, you know, a group of players, the players that do what they're supposed to do. So that's Gronk. So you drafted Gronk. He did exactly what you expect him to do. That's a good thing. Like you get what you what you give. But yeah, you talked about the late round guys. So we talk about all the time waiting on tight end. You don't want to draft tight end early. And I think this kind of bears that out to some degree. Now, do we do see Kelsey at the top? But where Kelsey was drafted last year, he actually beat his ADP. So that's a good thing. That's what we want to see. Ertz, obviously, Ertz was, he was stratospheric compared to where he was drafted. So can we identify those tight ends this year? Some people may say that's Trey Burton in Chicago. I might have to break some of that a little bit. Now I've got my shares of Trey Burton, but at the same time, he could flame out really bad. But we see guys on here that are in good offenses that are maybe 
perceived as middling tight ends, but will have a lot of opportunity to score touchdowns. And really that's kind of what we're looking for from our tight ends is repeatable touchdown equity every week. All right, Beer, I'm being told you have an XM duty right now, correct? I do. So I want to get one late tight end name in there, and that's Vance McDonald of the Steelers. I think that was only a glimpse of what we saw against Jacksonville. Yes, he might be the fourth target in that offense, but I think he's going to drastically outproduce ADP. So that's my guy, Vance McDonald. All right, right. we're going to get on out of here so you can go do your XM. Uh, Again, guys, uh, if you want to play these best ball things on draft, it's awesome. Uh, they've got a million dollar prize pool tournament, a hundred thousand to first, uh, check out Josh's stuff on fantasy insiders. He's got a free best ball article up through Wednesday on rotor grinders. Uh, after that, it goes behind the paywall. Uh, it's a really fun, fun tournament. And, uh, glad to see this thing's going to fill too, by the way, um, especially as we get closer. Um, I don't know. I think this is easily going to fill. So don't wait until a couple days before the season, uh, cause you might not have your chance to compete for the million. So we're going to get on out of here. Uh, thanks to Josh and beer makers fan for joining me. I'm Britt, and thanks for watching, everybody. We got you.